Welcome back to another episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinemeth. This is a podcast series where we watch movies that are rated 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or 6.9 stars on IMDb, and we establish if it's worth it. Tonight's movie is the 1999 drama Sport Any Given Sunday. I am joined tonight by Mayor Matt Santina out in Cartersville, Georgia. Hello. Ready to go, baby. And I've also got Pow out there in Southern California. What's up, boys? <laughs> Blue, Blue 42. All right. Uh, man, this one here. Uh, we have got a huge show for you. Uh, we're going to get right into this because there's a lot. There's a lot here. To, to break down and to uh, to dissect. This movie was made in 1999, has a runtime of two hours and 42 minutes, which is 162 minutes Canadian. Whew. Quick math there. This movie was directed by Oliver Stone. You know him as the director producer of JFK, Platoon, Natural Born Killers, Born on the Fourth of July. It stars Al Pacino, you know him, from Serpico, The Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, Dick Tracy. We also have Jamie Foxx from Ray, Collateral, Django Unchained, Dreamgirls. We have Cameron Diaz from Vanilla Sky, There's Something About Mary, The Mask, Charlie's Angels, Bad Teacher. Also starring Dennis Quaid from Far From Heaven, The Day After Tomorrow, Frequency, In Good Company, and James Woods from Vampires, Hercules, The Virgin Suicides, and Videodrome. This movie had a budget of $55 million and has grossed over $100 million uh, worldwide. This movie is rated 6.9 stars on IMDb with over 117,000 ratings. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 52% from the critics with over 124 reviews and 73% from audience with over 100,000 ratings. Yeah. That seems high. That seems really high if I had to be completely honest. Because this movie, (laughs) I thought this movie was like, you know, it was... uh, for how long it is and how much it, it jumps at certain points with like little like, you know, sequence from scene to scene or flashback to, to present, I would think that it'd be lower than a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's all I got to say. I guess the biggest thing so far with me is the fact that when you listed Cameron, uh, excuse me, you listed Al Pacino, there was no comment of all his previous credits. You didn't have Scarface in there. And one of the first things I noticed was this is the second film that Al Pacino has been in where he plays uh, somebody named Tony who's in Miami. I was going off of his known as from IMDb. So if you want to blame anybody, blame IMDb. Moving on. We'll get in touch with their people. (laughs) IMD beep. There we go. That's one. All right. We're going to get right into this here. We open up with a quote here. I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, his greatest fulfillment to all he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a a good cause and lie exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. Vince Lombardi, 1913-1970. He's a young man when he died. He was. That's that's young. Yeah. The quote is very similar, or it's similar in scale to the Winston Churchill... uh, uh, citizenship in a republic you know where it kind of talks about people that are the man in the arena 
which is typically called. So a lot of parallels between that, but a very powerful quote, a great way to set the tone for this movie. Yeah, we open up on some thunder and lightning, some real Jerry Bruckheimer vibes here. We're getting some slow motion football scenes. A quarterback is calling out the play. Now we're going full speed, then back to slow-mo, and he gets absolutely lit up here. Uh, the announcer tells us that it's a 38-year-old, 38-year-old star, Cap Rooney. Uh, Al Pacino is now yelling for the training staff to get out there. Can't you see he's hurt? Slow motion replay here. Uh, Cameron Diaz is on the phone asking who was on the weak side safety. The medical staff is now attending to Cap. Teammates telling him, suck it up, get up, suck it up. Uh, Cap, is uh, he gets up and he's uh, helped off the field. Pacino is now talking to the backup, telling him, just hold on to the ball. We don't want to lose it. And now we get John C. McGinley from uh, from Point Break here. We we get a repeat, back to back weeks. I know. I, I'm hoping. I can't wait till the next time we've got to pick another movie that has John C. McGinley in it. We're on a <laughs> we're on a heater with him. John we'll C. Looking. McGinley. We'll keep searching. Oh yeah, I'll I'll definitely find something. We'll look at the spreadsheet. Uh, AKA Special Agent Doctor Jim Rome. Uh, here he's in the podcast or he's in the pot. He's in the press box, and he says that's just badcoaching.com, If you ask me, which is perfect late '90s internet banter. I love it. Uh, By the, the way, next- Cap Rooney. Cap Rooney, great football name. Yeah, Cap. I, th- I'll, yeah. I think that's got to be just short for Captain, right? His, na- his name is Jack Rooney, but yeah, calls him Cap. Yeah. So yeah, because he's the leader of the team. You know, just like Pacino said, got to be a leader at the quarterback position. The very next play here, we get a sack and a fumble return for a touchdown. And the Miami Sharks are now down 23-21 to the Americans. Quarterback is down. He's holding his knee. Cameron Diaz is back on the phone. She's now looking for any and all available quarterbacks. And uh, Willie Beeman here, played by Jamie Foxx, is told he's about to go in, and he looks absolutely petrified. We get some announcer exposition here. He tells us that uh, Willie Beeman is a seventh-round draft pick out of Dallas, and this is his fourth team in five years. Uh, Jamie Foxx gets up to the huddle, starts to call it the play, and throws up like a lot. This isn't your grandfather's Little Giants, okay? This is a serious movie here. And, yeah, that, I mean, that felt pretty real in that sense. The The football action that we're going to end up getting here in – you know, throughout the movie, as as their games go along, as the season comes along, not, maybe not as believable as the as the nervous pukes in the middle of the field. But I thought that was one of uh, Jamie's very good selling points to start off start off the movie and his entrance into it. Question for you guys early here: Worst offensive line, Bengals or Sharks? Ooh, it has to be Sharks. They they blew out two ACLs back to back. It looked like or just you know herniated disc and a ACL back to back. Tough go at. And then I was also thinking Dan complains about football being violent now. I mean, it really set the tone with these action scenes. A lot of just putrid, like almost like mid-70s level violence on the NFL, on, on quarterbacks in particular. Yep. He gets the playoff yeah. here, and now we have a montage of the next few plays. He lines up under the wrong guy, throws an interception. Uh, now Minnesota's leading at the half, 24-21. Uh, coaches are now in the locker room. They're giving their football repartee. We have a doctor here played by Matthew Modine, and he's checking the temperature on a player. It's 101. He wants Vicodin and cyclobenzaprine. Modine stops to talk to another doctor played by James Woods, and he says that he's worried about Cap. Woods tells him, you're the internist, I'm the orthopedist, bones, joints, that's me. Headaches, pink eye, diarrhea, gonorrhea, that's all you. 
I, I did like, uh, by the way, during the halftime, we, we get the coach, Al Pacino, defense. You got to do something. It's like that is that is some great high level coaching. It's like I don't know what the hell you're gonna do, but you got to do something. Defense. This is what we got to do here. Uh, I don't know. You got to do something. You got to do something out there. You got to make it happen. I don't know what you're doing. I thought the same thing too. You said it. That was that was a really good limited fake Al Pacino right there, man. I gotta I gotta really salute that. Salute uh, uh, Al Pacino impressions. Salute Mayor. Okay. Cartersville. Okay. Now, now, now we got to hear everyone's limited fake Al Pacino. Okay, I, I got to try to defense. What you got to do something out there? Okay, that's that's too New Yorker. I, I don't. I, I can't. That's, Next, that's, that's close enough. All right, here we go. Hooah! Defense. You got to do something. Hooah! <laughs> The second hoo was very good. It was very Ooh. spot on. It was, I, I, with eyes. For those, for those who can't, you know, see this here on this audio medium, Peep's eyes just really sold it. That's where the acting's done. That's where you sell acting is in the eyes. You hear David Sampson say that you can tell by the way he acts with his eyes. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Dr. Woods walks into the training room where Cap is on the table, tells him he's got some bad news. It's just a bruise. No broken ribs. Uh, Madman, uh, the guy who was getting his temperature checked before, he tells the doc, pull the pipes, man, I gotta go. Now they run to the bathroom. He kicks the kicker out of the uh, stall, evacuates his bowels while Dr. Modine is holding the IV bag behind him. That's got to be the worst job in the entire uh, AFFA. Yeah, absolutely. Horrible, traumatizing, mortifying. They're really trying to sell us on like how grimy and violent and how these men just are in the trenches huh different kind of trenches there's definitely some kind of trench there uh pacino's now called the team together here we get some more football halftime repartee they've lost in a row the team is now fired up after this uh halftime speech it's now 31 21 minnesota and all of a sudden we're at a night game how long was that halftime like it was middle of the day and now it's I caught that too. It made no sense. Yeah. I thought that they were playing them back to back weeks. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a whole new game now. I was like, they're playing the Americans again. Oh, this is the same game. Same game. And not only that's, that's is it, how that went in my head. Not only is it a night game now, but it is the most poorly lit field I have ever seen. I think high school stadiums have a better lighting setup here than uh, it looked like a high school stadium. I almost thought they were at practice, yeah. like practice after the game too. And that actually my my thought process went to oh they're at practice, oh no they're in they're in a game, oh they're playing the same team, oh they're playing a second game against the same team, and then it was like oh no this is the same game. That's how that was just all confusing. Every, the whole scene, whoever set that up fired. We get some more slide play here from the Sharks. Pacino call Coach Pacino calls a timeout, brings Willie Beeman over for a pep talk. Beeman tells uh, D'Amato the game is just moving too fast for him, tells him that you can only get better and not to worry about being benched because you're the only one I've got left. Uh, Pacino tells him that uh, you've been playing this game your whole life. Pretend you're back in the hood, playing just before your mama calls you for dinner. Go to the Buick, turn around, and I'll throw it to you. Slightly troubling in 2022 that the first of many things that uh, mm-hmm. may be accurate, but the portrayal uh, just mm-hmm. 
not uh yeah a little uncomfortable we'll yeah, have a there, dmx song coming up in a little bit that's uh the most troubling probably part of the whole movie <laughs> there there is a lot of problematic stuff throughout this entire two hour and 42 minute movie lots of slurs yeah lots of them uh, he comes out, throws a touchdown on the next play. It's now 31-28. We have more football action. Now the Sharks have the lead with a minute 51 left in the fourth. Uh, a first down will end the game. They're running the same play, same play, same play. The defense has this completely smoked out. We get a fumble return here for a touchdown. The Sharks are going to lose their fourth game in a row. Now we're up in the owner's box. Cameron Diaz's mom tries to console her, says it's just a game. Don't take it too seriously or to kill you just like you did your father. Now we're back in the locker room. The team priest is giving his post-game prayer. Now we're in the hospital with uh, with Cap, and he had a minor back surgery. Uh, his wife and Coach Pacino were there. Uh, Cap's wife is on the phone with uh, Cameron Diaz, uh, asking her to spin the media and play it off like it's nothing. Cap's in some major, major pain here. Uh, he's clicking the morphine button like he's on Jeopardy. He says he wants the nurse to come in. I'm a football player. they got to pump up the volume in here. How By the many- way... How his, many folk, sorry, go ahead, Mayor. Uh, by the way, his wife, played by Lauren Holly, who's a big star in her own, was also in uh, The Mask, and she um, she doesn't quite look like it. Took me a while to realize that was her. She was in The Mask. I know she was in Dumb and Dumber. I don't remember her in The Mask. I'm like mm. a dog with a bone on this one. Maybe. Are you thinking of Cameron Diaz, Mayor? No, I'm not. But I, actually, I'm thinking Lauren. Lauren. No, I, you know what it was? Is Lauren Holly dated? Uh, Jim Carrey. She was in another movie with him. Yeah, she was in Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. That's where that's where I got mixed up. My apologies. She she was in Dumb and Dumber. They they dated for a while. What's her last name? I'll look it up. Ah, uh, you know I don't really recall. It starts with an S. So swim, swami, sl- slippy, slappy, swimmin, salmon, salmon, Swanson, Swanson. Maybe send the briefcase. Look on the. Oh yeah, it's right here. Samsonite. I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. <laughs> and she also spent several years on one of my favorite TV shows, NCIS. Ah, there you go. Yeah. I love all the football talk they try to cram in early, in the beginning of this movie. I'm a football player. Pump up the volume. Are just like kind of like, like weird things like that out of place that were just really interesting. A lot of fo- football position. Yeah. A lot of football repartee. Uh, Cap says he's going to be ready for the playoffs. He tells Coach Pacino not to give up on him. Coach tells Cap that he's like a son. Now we're at Willie's house, and he's on the phone with his mama watching highlights from the game. And really the only highlight they're ever going to show is him throwing up. Uh, his mom asks if he's going to be a starter now. Fox is probably not, and there's really nothing I can do about that. Now we're in a smoky lounge, and special agent Dr. Jack Rose is on the TV talking about the game. Uh, Pacino is sitting at the bar, and he's getting hit on by a woman played by Elizabeth Berkeley. Urban Meyer moment here. Big, big Urban Meyer vibes here. Huge. <laughs> uh, she said that she's a big fan and has wanted to meet him since she was like 16 years old, and she's a prostitute, of course. Can can we sidebar here? Yes, 100%. Um, I'm willing to make myself a little bit vulnerable here. Uh, have, have either one of you ever been propositioned by a prostitute? No, I have not. Can't say I, I was have. in Philadelphia. I was in Philadelphia for a concert. I was for a for a conference, 
and this lady came up to me and started talking to me and she was oh gosh this is neat yeah i'm usually in vegas and she was an attractive young lady and she says so what are you getting ready to do now i was explaining to her what the conference was and you know national it was national association of broadcasters and i said well i guess i'm going to go back to my room and uh you know call my wife and she was like and then she put her hand on my chest because oh that's just a shame and i went oh I was so dense to this thing that this lady was, this she was a lady of the night, and we were speaking at night. So, how about that? There was my brush. There was my brush with that. Uh, Somebody that wanted a key to the city. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I, I went back to the room and felt like a total dork. But again, it was the right answer because I went and going on there. So, anyway, back to back to any given Sunday. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> she starts talking to one of the coach or he starts talking to one of the coaches played here by Jim Brown. Turns out the uh, coach's name here is Montezuma Monroe. Now that is a hell of a name. That is a name that you would find on a video game back in the nineties for a, a foot of like an NFL or like a football game where they make up names. Yeah, that is a, that is a heck of a name. And I'll work this in because I've got it a little bit later on. Jim Brown did a heck of a job acting in this. This was a this is a solid performance by a, a pro bowler, a, a, a hall of famer, an all timer. And I, I thought he did a great job in several different scenes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he absolutely nailed his role. He was acting his ass fully off. I will say that the first he, imp- he didn't end up impressing me, but the very first scene he was on, it was very tough for me to take him seriously. They, all the, all the beginning scenes on the sidelines, for whatever reason, the sideline scenes, I did, they just weren't selling it for me enough on, on there. I wasn't feeling the, the correct football passion. I think what it was, honestly, though, was Lawrence Taylor wasn't believable enough with me. So when he was interacting with people on the sideline, it was taking away from how good they were. So Jim Brown interacted with him in, on, on a series. And I was like, oh, I was like, it's Jim Brown. And then when Lawrence Taylor came in, I was like, what? I was like, he's a football player. Why is he like he should know how to play this better? So you were having a hard time believing that Lawrence Taylor was a dominant defensive player in a football game. Is that what the problem was? That was the problem, man. The problem, one hundred percent. It's like like LeBron with Space Jam. My biggest problem is he was wearing himself. number fifty eight. I'm like, yes. I wonder if there was like an NFL or contractual reason why he didn't wear fifty six. Well, the NFL wanted absolutely nothing to do with this movie. They didn't get a, give them any properties for licensing, for names, for anything. So yeah, that but, really could be something where they said you but, can't wear your number. So go wear you know. Harry Carson's number or uh, Carlton Banks's number. It's still interesting though that Reebok looks like it did the apparel for this movie, and Reebok was the sponsor for the NFL at the time. Hmm. So I found fa- I found that very interesting, that part of it. Well, Reebok does get a shout out here uh, later on. That's a future callback. Coach Pacino is drunk uh, off his ass, and now he's the only one in the bar. Now he's back at home, drunk dials his ex. Tells her he's going to be in L.A. in a couple of weeks and wants to see Tommy, who I assume is his son. Now we have a practice montage. Now we cut to Cameron Diaz and her advisor talking about moving the team to L.A. The governor of California wants to use lottery money to build a new stadium. Uh, this should be enough leverage to get Miami to build them a new stadium. And Christina is now talking about selling the team, but the offer's too low. And tells all the advisors to keep all this between the three of them. Just nothing but business repartee here. I'm sorry. Can we do something real quick? I'm going to do this right here. We're going to roll back the tape to where you just referred to the former NFL player as Carlton Banks. 
uh, it was Carl Banks. Uh, Carlton Banks was uh, Fresh and Prince's fresh. cousin. Yes, yes, I, I know so that. That's a fine name. Carl Banks' real first name was Carlton. Look it up. Uh, actually, I am looking it up, which is why I made the reference. Pro Football Reference says that his name is Carl E. Banks, Ooh. born August 29th of 1962 in Flint, Michigan. His mama called him Carlton. I'm going to call him Carlton. All right. Good enough. <laughs> I'm like a dog with a bone on this one. Anyway. That was good. Coach Pacino now pulls up to the house. Uh, Cameron offers him some Alka-Seltzer, wants to talk about the recent losses, and says, I can see how my mom would drink herself into a stupor watching football games, but this makes me want to jump out of a fucking window. Uh, watching the rest of this movie makes me want to jump out of a fucking window. Coach Pacino says, you can run this a million times, Christina, but you know, on any given Sunday, that's it. That's the title. They said it. They said it right there. She cuts him off to finish the quote. You're either gonna you're either gonna win or you're gonna lose. The only point is you can win. The the point is, can you win or lose like a man? My dad said a lot of catchy things. Coach says that he made that quote up. Now we cut back to practice. Now we cut back to Christina yelling at coach. Says the team sucks. Gonna take this in a new direction. No one wants to see the run. They want passes and high scoring, which basically that's the game today. The run is practically dead. She says that she's going to get rid of Cap and Shark uh, here in the offseason. Shark obviously played by the aforementioned uh, Lawrence Taylor, LT. Cap built this franchise, and Shark revolutionized that linebacker position. Really? Lawrence Taylor revolutionized the linebacker position? Hmm. Interesting. You, you know, there was a little bit in that uh, meeting that uh, with Cameron Diaz was there was a little aside where they talked about publicly funding the stadium uh, in Miami which we know that that's been a consistent topic uh, on Lebetard show with David Sampson, Billy Corbin, and other people. And I also thought it was funny that there was a discussion about relocating to L.A., which is exactly what the Cronkies did from St. Louis and just won a Super Bowl. How about that? Hell yeah, they did. I did not know that. Yeah, this movie had to be a stretch for you being a non-NFL guy. Well, th th this is from 23 years ago, yeah. so, you know. I, I can remember back then. I think this was the year that what I, I think the Rams actually won the Super Bowl this year over the Titans by one yard, something like that. Makes a lot of sense. I, I I think. I think I've got the numbers right there. I'm probably wrong. Yeah, pretty sure. So they're Try not seeing, they're not seeing any uh they're not seeing eye to eye on anything here. She says that his contract will be up for negotiation at the end of the year. Coach Pacino says, Back in my day, your dad and I would negotiate with a beer and a handshake. Cameron Diaz says, Well, I don't drink beer, Tony. He replies, I don't imagine you do. She says, fucking beer? <laughs> I love that little line. She's great in this movie. Love the I, I loved her in, in the more of, a, of an aggressive attitude role as, as opposed to like a bubblegum blonde that they like to typically put Cameron Diaz typecast as, you know? Yep. Now we've got game day here, and the Chicago Rhinos are leading 14-3. And Tyler Cherubini is playing like shit. Uh, the defense is really going to have to take this game over. Uh, the Shark comes up with a big sack fumble. Uh, Beeman is now going in. Coach Patino wants him to uh, make a ritual out of throwing up. And now we get another football montage. Willie Beeman is playing well. And he throws up. And during that montage, when he starts playing much better, um, again, Probably the most uncomfortable 
part of the movie, the DMX song that was uh, being played in the background. Definitely not a 2022. Uh, I'll let you listen to that again. I won't. I won't say what it is. <laughs> All right, moving Rest on. Rest in peace, DMX. If only we can get Mina on for her uh, limited fake DMX. Yeah, if only, that's a very good point. Now he's getting chewed out for changing the plays. We get another football montage, and the Sharks end up actually winning this game. Now we cut to a fancy foundation party. It's red carpet style, black tie event. Uh, Christina here is donating $250,000 to Dare from the Art Pagniacci uh, Foundation. Mayor says the Sharks are great role models for the youth of Miami. Really? Mayor says now it's time to party, and we get some quick shots around the party of dancing and eating and drinking. Mayor asks Christina, where's that uh, beautiful, bold quarterback? And she brings over Cap, of course, because Dennis Quaid, he's, he's still a looker. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. He looks great. Mayor whispers, not that one. Where's the black dude? Cap says he means Willie. Uh, Madman comes in and asks an elderly woman, elderly woman, are you married? She says she's between marriages. He asks, what do you do for Dick? And she is shook. You married I'm between marriages. Between marriages. What do you do for dick? That was a great line. Great shock value in that. Uh, Willie's girlfriend is now mingling with all the players' wives, and they're not that nice to her. They tell her it doesn't count until you're married or the paper calls you and wife. Offensive coordinator Kojir, played by Aaron Eckhart, uh, tells Pagniacci that he's wasting his time, doesn't want to coach under Pacino anymore, and she tells him not to worry. Uh, Now she's meeting with the mayor. He says the Dolphins are making it hard for the city council to vote on a new stadium. She says that they're going to move the team. Uh, Coach Pacino is now dancing with uh, Cameron's mom, kind of drunk flirting. She knights him with her cane. Uh, Christina breaks this up. She sees her mom caressing the Pantheon Cup ring the coach is wearing. She says, I remember when my dad designed that ring. I guess I'll have to wear mine on a chain around my neck. Coach says, you got to win one first. Lots of tension here. Just win one. Uh, the thing that it did remind me was uh, the mayor of Miami. Uh, again, themes that exist today: the the, the, the frightenness or the the aversion to publicly funded stadiums. It just gave me Billy Corbin vibes. That uh, maybe he was a little bit concerned that uh, Billy was going to jump in and, and expose him for something. Of course, it doesn't seem like many of the elected officials down there are very afraid of Billy Corbin anyway. They're not short man syndrome, like uh, Cody calls it. <laughs> Now we're in uh, Willie Beeman's apartment, and he and his girlfriend are fighting. His girlfriend is yelling at him because he was flirting with all the women all night, and he didn't introduce her to the mayor. He says he's not thinking about all that. All he's focused on is football. He kicks her out. They kind of get in a a bigger argument here. Now we're on the team plane, and Coach Pacino sits next to Beeman, asks what he's listening to. says he asks if he's ever listened to jazz. He's going to make a tape for him because that's apparently what old people still do. Says CDs, uh, no one listens to tapes anymore. He tries to have a heart-to-heart conversation here about losing his father and get shut down. Now we get some game action here against the LA Crusaders, and the Sharks are down 21 to seven in the second quarter. And Beeman now comes into the game and he throws up. Right after he throws up, he now throws a touchdown pass and does the shark dance with uh, with Sanderson, Jimmy Sanderson, played by Bill Bellamy. We get some more game action. Now there's a, a fumble. 
And we have a lot of tension here between uh, Willie Beeman and Julian Washington, played by LL Cool J. Cool J about this? killed this role. LL Cool OBJ was upset he wasn't getting the football. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He looked, yeah, I, I agree. He absolutely crushed this. Out of all, out of all the, the star-studded cast that was in this movie, you know, trying to step up into football roles, I felt like he was the most believable playing his role. Well, you know, where'd Bill Bellamy go? Great I mean, maybe he's a little bit before y'all's time, but I mean, he was he was a pretty big name. He was a pretty popular guy. I don't know what he's done. Uh, seeing him in that movie, I was like, yeah, what? Just kind of fell off a cliff. Or maybe he's around and I just haven't noticed. But LL is, I mean, he's one of the more talented people of our generation. I, I think very underrated when you consider the fact he can do mm -hmm. comedy, drama. He's done television. And of course, his his rap career, very versatile guy. and uh, So charismatic. That's still true. Looks That's good. a great point. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's hosted he, award shows. Looks like he's doing just a bunch of TV series here. Uh, Mr. Box Office from 2012 to 13. Uh, Hot in Cleveland. Murder in the First. Uh, Insecure. Uh, a few TV movies in between there. SWAT. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's about it for Bill Bellamy over the past few years. Any relation to Roy? <laughs> that's a great question. We, we should ask him next time he's on. Agreed. Get, now, him, on, uh, get him on cinema. Oh, I should. I should ask he, him. Yeah, Roy, see, see if he wants to come talk on the some pod. Movies. There we go. Talk, talk some movies. Hell yeah. It's now 21-17 in the fourth quarter, and Bill, uh, Belly, <laughs> Willie Beeman, he throws a touchdown strike, and we get pretty awesome touchdown celebration. Here we get the grenade celebration. Once the ball hits, everyone falls to the floor. Uh, big fan of that one. Now we're in the locker room. Uh, the white guys are listening to Metallica, Hetfield is God. Uh, Shark doesn't like it at all. We get a lot of partying and yelling. And Cameron Diaz walks in and everything goes stone quiet. She walks through the locker room. She congratulates Clark on a great game and just a monster dong shot here. I don't know yeah, if this we is had necessary. Penis. We had penis all yeah. over the place in this thing. She walks through the locker room, goes over to Billy Beeman. He and I, and I don't her. know if you would call that a monster dong. I mean, I, I thought it was kind of small for myself, but it's all a matter of scale. Well, I was watching on a big screen, so si size is relative. Mayor, hell yeah. <laughs> We're just going to call you Mayor Horsecock from now on. Presented by Sheets and Giggles. Baby. Willie Beeman starts to hit on uh, Christina Pagniacci. He asks her on a date. She says that she doesn't date players. And now we're in the shower and Madman throws a gator in the shower. And this this is something that actually happened. I, I remember hearing a story like this on the Levitard show one time. I can't remember what player did it or what team it was on. I want to say it was on the Dolphins, but I, I could be totally wrong there. Uh, Julian Washington here is having a conversation with all the coaches about wanting the ball more because his contracting incentives and he's got a Reebok, Reebok ad coming up here. There's that other Reebok talk we were talking about. Cap says Washington's right. Beeman doesn't care. He doesn't know the playbook, the defenses he's facing. He doesn't give a gee whiz about anybody. He just wants to make the plays himself. I thought that was a very misplaced line. He doesn't give a gee whiz. It's like, what? We, we've been cursing throughout this entire thing, and we're going to go with gee whiz? Yeah. There, there were a couple of those earlier when Willie Beeman scored the, the touchdown when he flipped over, and it was all iconic. The, uh, the announcer, they cut to the announcer in the book, in the uh, booth and he goes holy mackerel that is football 
And I was like, all right, cue the white guy's music. It was, <laughs> it was pretty well, great. And th- so that was the second incident of, of them just using, again, it just G golly whiz willikers. You know, all he cares about is himself. By the way, why does James Woods always play sleazy people? Because he's a sleazy person. Like just yeah. in, in real life, he's, he's, a, he's a sleaze. Typecast. Yeah, he, he's definitely typecast. Uh, and that announcer that said the holy mackerel, that was actually director Oliver Stone. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Same. Uh, LO Cool J here tells the coaches that Beeman is changing the plays in the huddle. Coach Pacino does not like this at all. Now in the tunnel, Dr. Modine stops Dr. Woods and tells him something's wrong with Shark. He's having trouble focusing and his hand-eye coordination is deteriorating. Woods dismisses him, says all the players are fucked up. Modine wants to run some more tests. Woods says that he's going to run them. He'll get the results. And the press is now hounding Beeman, says that he's been great this whole time. Y'all just didn't know it yet. Now we're back in Miami, and Beeman's face is plastered on a bus with a a, a metrics ad. Now we're at the beach playing uh, football against girls and against girls in bikinis and my note here is how is this not a contract violation like if you get hurt playing beach beach football how how Did, didn't he have a little thing where like after he threw the football he was like grabbing at his shoulder it looked like he was grabbing at his shoulder a little bit yeah. now, and that's that's the exact thought i had right then i was like oh is he gonna get hurt playing this and then they're gonna get pissed at him because they shouldn't be doing that well think about uh oh i'm gonna the guy's name just left my head he was a member of the new England Patriots went to was a garrison Hurst who uh, was a pro bowler. And at the pro bowler, they had like a beach football game and he ended up messing up his leg, his, his ankle or his knee and was never, I mean, it pretty much ended his football career playing a little fun, little side game like that. The point, however, that I'd like to make going back to this whole thing where Beeman is on the bus and then it shows a montage of him being on the cover of Sports Illustrated and the cover of ESPN. And then, of course, the iconic Willie Beeman video, his own rap song. Think about this. This is only really 10 days into his fame. Okay. Because he came into the game, they lost, and then they won one game. He's got such a small window of time that it makes zero sense to me. And I started going, well, when, when else has somebody been elevated to superstar status in such a short period of time? The only person I could think of in the world of sports is Jeremy Lin, who Jeremy Lin was Michael Jordan for about three weeks. That's a great call. You do have to factor in though. They did have another bye week in here. So, okay, so it was three that, weeks that he's on the cover of yeah. every national magazine and getting endorsement ads. But when you're yeah. Willie Beeman and you keep the ladies screaming, of course you're going to get those ads. Boom. Good point. Enough said. That. Mm-hmm. And just like uh, Mayor just talked about, we have a, ma- a magazine cover montage here, Beeman on the cover, the iconic music video shoot for My Name is Willie. Uh, Cap is working out in the living room and saying that Beeman is breathing down his neck. Now we're back at practice. Dr. Woods is saying that Cap is ready to go next week. Christina says that she wants Beeman to, to she wants to go with Beeman and to hold Cap back a little bit. Coach Pacino tells Cap that he's going to go with Beeman, and this looks like the end of the road here for Cap. Woods tells uh, uh, Cameron Diaz here that Shark is still kind of woozy, and he's got post-concussive syndrome, and he's had three concussions in the last five months. That seems like a lot. And this was inconsistent. This was an inconsistency that bothered me. 
and it, and it comes a little bit later on as well, but in relative to the James Woods character is here's a guy on one side who's shooting everybody up. Like they're in a, you know, in the middle of, of war and he's just pumping everybody full of everything and it doesn't really matter. And there's no concern. And now all of a sudden he's coming back and being like, Hey, we really need to be careful with this and, and was t- took this more caring approach. I'm like, it wasn't consistent with the character that we saw just a little bit ago. Yeah, I, I think he was just kind of making it up as he went along. Well, but he, and again, you know that and again, I think the part of this movie and I'm not an Oliver Stone fan per se, but I think he did a very good job of presenting a lot of the, the truths of the NFL that we don't really want to talk about. And again, one of those is, Again, there's a team doctor. His job is to get these guys on the field. His job isn't necessarily to do what's best for them in the long term. We need this guy in the field. Patch him up, shoot him up, do whatever you got to do, and and send him out there. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Um, yeah, and especially because it was a what, probably a decade before a lot of these issues started actually getting brought up, like like seriously too. Because you know you, you talk about the the issue with them wanting to be filled with all kinds of painkillers. On top of the fact that you know they're they're going out there and they're playing with concussions and they're just playing with other different kinds of injuries and ailments, where and yeah, and the, and the doctors are just worried about how much they're they're going to get paid and how much everybody's going to get paid if they keep them on on the field. Well, and the other thing that was rather prophetic about this is, you know, this is pre Michael Vick. Michael Vick was yes, you had had Warren Moon and you had uh, Randall Cunningham. But this was really in the era before the real explosion of, of Michael Vick and the athletic black quarterback. So the fact that this particular character burst onto the scene, Michael Vick was in Virginia Tech at the time, so he was kind of coming onto the scene. But the prospect of, an, of a quarterback that was that athletic and able to do those certain things, that was before there was actually an NFL example of it. And I thought that was fairly interesting. Yeah, I mean, what, the only example of a good mobile quarterback before then was Steve Young, Warren Moon, and Randall Cunningham. That was it. Yeah. Uh, Christina wants uh, Cap ready for the playoffs, but then they're going to cut him in the offseason. Now we cut to uh, Coach Pacino here. He's in bed with the hooker from the bar, and they have just the probably the most awkward tickle fight I've ever seen. That woman was a whore. Now Willie Beeman is in an interview here with Special Agent Dr. Jack Rose. It's a very important conversation, and I'm glad they're having it. It's basically the conversation that is, you know, all over uh, the football landscape uh, right now. Uh, basically, saying that black people aren't respected in the league. There's uh, inherent racism. Uh, the same stuff is going on in the NFL today. Seventy uh, percent of the black players, uh, very few black coaches, and no black owners. Uh, Beeman now shows up to Coach Pacino's house for dinner. He brings him some flowers. Uh, Shark had, had told him earlier that if he wants to get in and go with Coach to bring him some flowers. Coach says that he can't cook very well, but you got to try his jambalaya. He's got Ben Hur playing on the background here. This is a future Inception callback. Uh, they eat. He asks how it is. He says it's hot. Uh, he asks why Beeman's been changing the plays. He says that it's disrespectful. Beeman says that he's just trying to win. Coach says you have to have you have to respect everyone who's come before you. Beeman says that he doesn't want to be like a ghost on the wall, like all a ghost like all the photos on the wall here. Willie says that there's inherent racism in the league. Coaches are always trying to find the next uh, black stud, just like it was back in college. Except this time, the field hands get paid, which that still holds true today. Coach says not to play that race card with him. Twenty five years I've worked with men of your color. A little bit, you know, kind of pro- problematic language there. 
Beeman says that it's it, maybe it's not about racism; it's about placism. And I've got to know my place, ain't that right, boss? Now we get I, some. I thought, ex- that, I thought that was a very powerful line. Yeah. I do want to go back to the the uh, Charlton, the the Raymond, uh, the chariot scene, the Ben Hur scene. You know that was the the symbolism in that is you know the 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 young unknown guy taking on the establishment. Uh, they kept on cutting back and forth to the chariot race scene. And so it was kind of mimicking as he was going at Pacino, you know, they would cut to Heston, who, by the way, was also the commissioner of the league, which I thought was great. Um, That's the callback. But I thought that was all, I thought that was all really uh, interesting uh, level of symbolism. And then to tie it to somebody who was also going to be acting in the movie in modern day. I thought that was really nice. Now we get some exposition here about what happened to Beeman in college. He took some money from a booster to buy a suit for a wedding, and that's why he dropped to the seventh round of the draft. Coaches always try to screw me over like that. Coach in San Diego, who tried to turn me into cornerback, had me out there tackling 250-pound guys, and that's how I hurt my shoulder. Coach Patino tries to tell him that you're a quarterback. You're my quarterback, but you have to act like it, act like a leader. Beeman says, yeah, I'm your quarterback until Cap Cap comes back, and you're out here telling me limited fake (laughs) <laughs> but you're out here telling me, and he does a limited fake coach, Patino, go out there like you in the hood, playing ball until mama rings a dinner bell. He says he's going to keep playing his way, and now we're at a house party, and Beeman parks his Suburban up on the lawn, and this place is packed. We have a party montage here. A woman drops a plate of drugs on the floor, and this is all intercut here with his interview with Special Agent Dr. Jack Rose. Beeman is now talking shit about the defense. LL Cool J here tells him not to talk about the D. Shark is going to kick his ass. Still loads of tension here between these two guys. LL Cool J here snitches to Shark about Beeman talking shit about the defense. He grabs a saw and cuts Beeman Suburban in half. A little bit of problem with physics there. As uh, he, he used the saw to cut the Suburban in half, he had to have only cut the top half of it. Like, even if you cut it, and it caved in from the, it caved in in the middle. And I don't know that that would have happened if you were to try to saw that. And I don't know that would be the physics type of reaction that would you have. There's no way he, even with that saw, I don't know that he cut through the frame of the vehicle to have the whole thing bend. Yeah. I, I've got a note on that here, uh, here as well. Uh, Shark is on top of the suburban. He says in football, there's an offense and a defense and respect will be paid. Call this motherfucker a cab and get him out of my house. He was real. I, I, it's astonishing how much shit he was talking on them in that house. Like, man, like you, okay. You think this is really going to work out for you? Like you think they're all just going to be like, all right, we're just going to let you talk all this shit on us in our own home or one of our guys' homes. Like that, that was wild. Yeah. And and again, week three or four of being in games. And one of those games, he didn't even, he didn't even start two of them because the first one, you know, he came in as the third string and the other one, they put the second stringer back in and he was doing so bad and he came in. So Again, we're on a very limited window of of any of anything productive being done, and he's he's got this going on. Now we get some more football action here. This time it's in the driving rain, basically a monsoon, and this time it's an even more poorly lit field. Like I, I don't understand how this professional team can't afford lighting, or how they don't just have the lights going. And it's all going to the drugs to keep them on the field. (laughs) It all goes to the painkillers and everything that's keeping them on the field. That's where their budget's allocated towards. And Willie Beeman is now getting absolutely killed. Shark goes in for a tackle and he gets trucked. Uh, No one on the team here wants to support Beeman and they are absolutely taking the beating. They end up losing this game 32 to seven. The mayor now meets with uh, Pagniacci 
and uh, says that there goes that black dynasty that you promised me. Now in the showers, uh, LL Cool J says to Beeman, what, you forgot your invisible juice? Beeman doesn't like this, rushes uh, LL Cool J, a huge fight ensues, and Beeman gets knocked the fuck out. Coach Patino stops the fight, and he says he's never seen something stinks like this in 30 years. He's embarrassed to be their coach. Now we're back at the bar here with Coach Pacino and uh, Montezuma Monroe, and we have football and life repartee back in my repartee. Willie Beeman. Uh, <laughs> I was, was, was going to let that one Sorry, I, I gave you an unintentional Akeem Nix laugh. That was, that was good. <clears throat> I was waiting for that joke to just kind of sit there. Uh, the Willie Beeman music video is now on the TV. Uh, Coach Pacino sees the hooker at the back of the bar. Now we're in the doctor's office, and Shark has a broken neck. Uh, they say with the right kind of hit, he could suffer paralysis or even death. Shark says that he's a sack and three tacos away from his bonus, and once he hits that, then they can talk about um, sitting him out. He's pleading with Coach Pacino to let him play. Uh, Pacino says, you can play, but you have to sign a waiver. Uh, Dr. Modine here says we have to talk about Dr. Woods. Turns out that he switched the results. Uh, Pacino is really pissed off. Kicks him out of the facility. Now they're screaming at each other. Special agent Dr. Jack Rose overhears this, and he comes over for a comment. Pacino shoves him down the stairs. Uh, Special agent Dr. Jack Rose asks the cameraman if he caught that, and practice continues, and Cap is back in action, and he's kind of scared. Now we cut to Cap's house, and Coach tells him that Doc cleared him to play for Sunday. Cap says that he's still kind of hurt. Cap tells Coach about the first time that he got hit in the pros. He says that he has blank spots in his memory. He's got the shakes. He's on painkillers all the time. And even with all that, he'd go back in a heartbeat if he could be what he was. And a note here, there's still an hour left in this movie. An hour left in this fucking movie. Uh, coach convinces his to play for uh, for one more game. Cap talks his wife, says that he's going to retire after the season and go into broadcasting. She is not having it. She smacks him right in the face. I will not listen to this bullshit from you. That that kind of took me aback. I was like, really? That's that's what we're doing here. I wonder um, if that's how the conversation with Tom Brady and Giselle went. I think it was probably the other way around. He was like, hey, I want to play one more year. And she smacked him and said, no, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> I will cut you off both financially and otherwise. Now we're at dinner with Willie Beeman and his agent uh, coming up with plans for the future. He sees his ex from across the room. He tracks her down and they start to talk. He says that he blew it and wants to get back together with her. She's out on a date. She leaves and he follows her into the restroom. Uh, He convinces her to let him call her. Uh, Now we're in the owner's office. Uh, Coach and Christina are talking about cap starting, and she is not happy with this at all. Uh, Coach says it's fine. We're just going to trade Willie in the offseason. She also tells him the league fined him $100,000 for pushing special agent Dr. Jack Rose down the steps. We get another big argument here. She tells him that her dad didn't trust him to do the job after he died, and that's kind of a deep cut because uh, Coach Pacino here and – Christina's dad, Mr. Pagniacci, they had a a really tight bond, and he didn't like to hear that. Now we're at Christina's mom's house, and she is in her dad's office, and she overhears her mom and Coach Patino talking about her and and thinking about selling the team. 
Now we're back at Pacino's house, and he's drunk and now going through a memories box, and we get some kind of backstory exposition about his dad dying in the war. Um, Now we're at the stadium here in Dallas for the game between the Sharks and the Dallas Knights. And now we get some uh, some pregame exposition talking about Cap and how he's probably at the end of his run. And we are now at the pregame conference, uh, pregame press conference here, where uh, Al, uh, Coach Pacino gives a public apology to Special Agent Doctor Jack Rose. Which, by the way, I do. We've let this go on way too long. Uh, bravo to you for Special Agent. Dr. Jack Rose, which is John C. McGilney, who was the special agent in our last episode of Cinema, and of course, doctor on Scrubs, and Jack Rose is current. So wanted yes. to explain that because it is, it takes a little bit of work, and that is pure brilliance on your part, Beep. I just wanted it recognized and in the spotlight for a minute, so take a bow. Thank you. I, I have bowed, uh, just like uh, Pow has bowed his head here for the past 20 minutes of this episode as he is asleep again. This so. is the second episode of a cinema where he has fallen asleep mid recording big, well, deep breath there from Powell. And he lets it out. He is on the, uh, on the West coast where it's much earlier than it is where I am here on the East coast. So yeah, it's explainable. Yeah. It's, it's like seven o'clock there right now. Yeah. Anyway, now we're back in the training room here with shark and Dr. Modine. Uh, he has cleared. The, he's cleared for the game, and Shark gets the doc to give him an extra shot of cortisone. Um, and now we get the absolute pregame speech here for the ages, and I'm not even going to try to touch this uh, pregame speech here, but I am absolutely ready to run through a fucking wall here for Coach Pacino. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives. All comes down to today. Either we heal as a team, or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light we can climb out of hell one inch at a time now i can't do it for you i'm too old i look around i see these young faces and i think i mean i made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make i uh I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in a mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff, you find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early 
and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. Hell yeah. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. <laughs> On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's gonna win that itch. And I know if I'm gonna have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. Hell yeah. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're gonna do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you gonna do? the inches now we've got some game action uh cap is back in the game here he's actually playing pretty well takes a huge hit here we get more game montage uh cap throws a td to to in dallas that was really played by uh terrell owens there that was that was that was a very nice touch now we're back on uh defense and uh shark gets his sack and then decides to golden shower the quarterback now we're up in the owner's box, and Christina is talking with uh, the commissioner, played by Charlton Hessen, and here's that call back from Ben Hur that we talked about earlier. They're talking about some network deals, golf. She says that she's an eleven handicap in the whites, which eleven is actually a pretty pretty solid pretty solid handicap there. I'm an eighteen. What about you? Uh, I actually just got down to a six point eight. My, wow. uh, my 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 gin is about to update on Monday, and it's going to be a six point eight. That is that is really stout. I, I've been I've been working on my game here over the past uh, past few months. We're, we're gonna, we got some uh, some golf exposition here, and I'm going to pop that up here. I don't know if we can actually see wow. it. I can see that. Yeah. So I'm really really happy with that, and uh, maybe at Moss we'll be able to uh, to hit some links or something like that. It'd be nice. Yeah. 
Uh, Commissioner tells her that they need her to come to New York for a meeting. Some rules have been broken, and Cap has taken a few more hits now. It is 21 to 10 Dallas with 121 left in the half. Cap tries to make something happen here out of nothing. He dives for the end zone and gets John Elway helicoptered, and he scores a touchdown but takes an absolutely hellacious hit. He's he's going to be done. He's, he's going to be uh, basically like Powell over here. Uh, it is 21-17 here at the half. We're in the locker room now, and Cap and Coach Pacino are talking, and they're going to put Willie in. Christina comes in the locker room, yells at Coach to put Beeman in. Willie interrupts her, saying that the coach already told him he's going to be starting the second half. We get some more game action now. We're going back and forth. Uh, we're fast-forwarding a little bit. Uh, Dallas now has a lead, uh, 35-31, with a minute 41 left in the game. The defense has to make a huge stop right here. Shark comes up with a huge tackle that makes his bonus, but he is knocked unconscious. Uh, he is right. down. Uh, hold on. Uh, th- you know, most, and I'll make this comment later on, most of the action scenes, it's difficult to film football action and make it look as well as they did here. I think they cinematically, I think they did a really good job, but my problem there was makes the tackle. They spot the ball. They bring the chains out. It's short. And then, Oh, wait a second. There's a player down on the field. It's like, so these two guys were lying on the ground all this time. First, how they mark the ball. If the ball carrier is still lying underneath the guy that tackled them. Yeah. It was just, I, I understand that, in Hollywood, you got to do things a little bit differently to, for effect, but you could have just as easily had it out of effect. You know, uh, you, you could have done it. You could have done it in the sequence and kind of kept true to what it actually would have been on the football field. Yeah. Uh, Powell's nodding his head. Yes. In agreement there, just like he's heard the last 40 minutes of this, uh, this podcast. Uh, he uh, shark was absolutely knocked unconscious and he wakes up and he's only worried if he made the stop. A uh, big smile comes across his face. He says, uh, don't drop me. I'm worth a million dollars. All the football talk. <laughs> Love it. Coming back for more. Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume here. Uh, pump up the jams. Uh, Sharks get the ball back here after that stop on four down. Beeman now leads the team down the field. Uh, we now have a timeout here with nine seconds left. Coach says, remember that time that you came over for dinner? What do you think about Jambalaya? Beeman says it was the worst thing he'd ever eaten in his life. Goes back out to the huddle with a big smile on his face, takes a team in for the game-winning touchdown, and the Sharks win the game, and they're on their way to Minnesota for the next round of the playoffs. Now we have a postseason press conference here. During the credits, uh, Christina announces the retirement of Coach Pacino, and the new coach will be uh, Coach Cozier. Uh, Pacino steps up to the podium, and he drops a bomb, saying that he's going to take over the head coaching spot for the new expansion franchise in Albuquerque. Hey, nice shout-out there to the uh, the ABQ, little 5-0 filthy. He says that he's signing Willie Beeman uh, as the star quarterback and franchise player. Pagniacci is absolutely pissed. Roll rest of the credits. Okay, several thoughts here, if I may, for just a moment, if you would absolutely. indulge me. get on. I did it. think it was interesting, and again, I think that the action scenes – and some of the cuts, especially the play at the end where they kept cutting back to the, the bulbs on the screen and then to the action, I thought it was a very compelling way to do it. So I, I give total props to that. And again, also, Jamie Foxx can throw the football. I mean, there were real athletes that were out there doing football things. And I thought from a from a shot of the action, I thought it was all very well done. Things that you just couldn't fake were, were done. I mean, there was hitting, there was tackling, there was all that. 
Um, the one exception to that was some of it was over the top when the guy lost his entire eyeball and they were just picking it off the field, putting it in a bag and then in a cooler and then off they went. There was another one that was kind of grotesque. I was on the elliptical and I couldn't kind of see what was going on while I was watching this this afternoon. But after the game, they were playing on the road. Okay. And so they're well after the game and the, the long conversation with, with Pacino and Beeman or, or and Jamie Foxx, it was that long after the game, you guys are on a plane heading back to where you're, you're going. You're not, you don't have run of the opposing team stadium well after the football game. And I thought that was a little bit strange as well. Um, I forgot how much I enjoyed this movie. I think I've got a little bit of different take than you guys on that, but uh, I did think it was ironic or it was very surprising that they hired the, the young white offensive coordinator over the older black defensive coordinator. Uh, that was surprising. Uh, I would like to think that Pacino hired him away uh, to, to join his staff on defense in the new expansion team. Well, he's, and, he said in the bar that he was going to go and coach high school because the, the oh, kids right. just, kid just want to play football. They, they were worried about all the other shit. That is right. Uh, the other thing is when Pacino was introduced at the postseason conference where he dropped that little bombshell, they cut to his hand for a minute and he had two rings on his hand. Earlier in the movie, Cap had mentioned that they had won two rings together, so he should have had three rings on his hand. Well, see, they didn't win the championship at the end of the season. Uh, the team from San Francisco ended up winning the championship. Ah. Yeah. Um, he, he says in the speech, you know, you know, we we're going to go out there and win the Pantheon cup, but San Francisco took care of that for us. Gotcha. Yeah. There, there's, I never I've, I've actually got a little trivia on that, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I totally, I totally that. missed that. They, they should have made the movie another 30 minutes longer and had two more games. That would have been should have should have. Why not another hour? And what did Beeman and what did Beeman do in those games? Did he like throw like three interceptions? I mean, we don't know how he performed in that. He may have been the total reason why they lost those games. So I do have some trivia if you guys Ooh. want to hear it. Ooh, uh, good. Let me let me see what else I got in here before I turn it back over to you with that. I think that's I think that's got all the little nuggets that I had uh, worked in there, and one of them was incorrect. So we'll go back. We'll we'll just stop on that. <laughs> one. There you go. <laughs> so Dennis Quaid's character, Cap Rooney's house, is actually Miami Dolphins uh, quarterback Dan Marino's house. Uh, Pacino uh, particularly relished his role as he found a refreshing change from the usual cops and gangsters that he often plays. Uh, Pacino's final, final rallying speech for the team before the playoff game is based on a rallying speech uh, from real-life NFL coach Marty Schottenheimer. He gave the uh, Cleveland Browns during the 1989 AFC Championship game. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer died. Yes, he did. Uh, Sean Combs, uh, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, was initially cast as Willie Beeman, but scheduling conflicts supposedly caused him to drop out, leaving the role to Jamie Foxx. Other sources, however, cite that when the football experts began to work with, po uh, with Combs on quarterback drills, they realized quickly that he had zero throwing experience. They knew he could never be convincing as a pro quarterback, whereas Foxx was a natural athlete and a quick learner at the position. To that, I would say Shazam, which is a reference to the... Kurt Warner movie where Shazam can't throw a football. I haven't seen it. How's it? How is it? Is it good? I've just seen the previews and right. I just think the throwing motion is, well, I don't know. Just take, take a look at the preview, go to YouTube, watch him throwing the football. I'm sure it's a delightful movie. It is a unbelievable story. When you stop and think about the, the Kurt Warner story, uh, very uplifting, but again, the actor, uh, 
didn't have quite the quarterbacking skills that Jamie Foxx does. I've got a take on Kurt Warner that I'm not going to sully this this podcast here with, but Kurt Warner, overrated. Did not deserve it to go in the Hall of Fame. We'll save that for another time, though. Anyway, uh, Oliver Stone is a San Francisco 49ers fan, and there are several references to San Francisco winning the championship game against the Sharks. Uh, according to Cuba Gooding Jr., he met with Oliver Stone about playing the role of Willie Beeman, but turned it down because he had already played a football player in Jerry Maguire. The home of the California Crusaders or the Los Angeles Crusaders in the movie is Pro Player Stadium, which is where the real-life team, the Miami Dolphins, played. The Shark Stadium, where the fictitious Miami Sharks played, is actually the Orange Bowl Stadium in Miami. During filming, Lawrence Taylor was voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This movie was originally titled The League. And we have a couple of cameos here in the... Uh, booth. We have Barry Switzer. He's the former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, his uh, broadcast partner was Oliver Stone, director of this movie. Dick Butkus, one of the visiting coaches. Duckus. Dick Butkus was one of the coaches. We also had Johnny Unitas uh, as one of the coaches and Y.A. Tittle as one of the coaches as well, who uh, Tony uh, references in the uh, dinner speech that he's giving with uh, – with Willie Beam when he comes over for Jambalaya, talking about the NFL greats. All right, we're going to get into our ratings here uh, and just kind of a recap about that rating system. We have, yeah, this is one of my favorites. I'm going to watch it every time. Uh, meh, once is probably enough, and fat, get out of here. Never going to watch this one again. Uh, pal, I'm actually going to start with you. I'm going to have, this movie was so long. It was so, so long. I never, I think I've tried to watch this like on the FX back in the day and just couldn't get through it, didn't know what was going on. It's not exactly a movie you can hop into. It's going to have to be a cinema for me. Or no, wait. How's our ranking system? We got yeah, fair, meh. Yeah, I'd watch it again. It's one of my favorites. Meh, once is probably enough. And fair, get out of here. Never going to watch it again. Fair. Fair. I was going to go meh. Once is enough, but no fair. All right. I barely made it through half the movie. I barely got through half this movie. <laughs> and you barely got through half this podcast, too. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Mayor, what about you? Eighth graders. You know, from a content perspective, I, I mean, if somebody, somebody grew up playing football, there were a lot. It hit an awful lot of the notes. And, you know, even the speech about all these players being together and the camaraderie and what you miss from that. And I've still got great lifelong friends that I played sports with and football being one of those sports. From a content perspective, I would say Cine, hell yeah. But because of the length of it, and because you got to be in a certain mood, I'm going to divide it out to go to a cinema. It's not the kind of thing I'm going to sit down and watch it. And it's almost, as Pau said, it's almost a little bit too long that if you do get into it halfway, uh, you know, on FX or whatever, I don't know that you stop and keep it there for a really extended period of time. But I, I sure I enjoyed the heck out of watching it. I'm glad I did. It's been years since I've seen this movie. So we have a fet from Powell and we have a meh from Mayer. Man, this this one was tough. I, I had watched it when we had first come up with the idea for cinema. I was like, you know what? This is going to be great. You know, we're going to talk about this right around the Super Bowl. Uh, it's it's football. It's exciting. Uh, you know, it's it's an all-time classic. It's got an amazing cast like we had already talked about. And I watched it maybe back in October. And I was I was bored out of my mind 
back then when I was watching it. Watching it again to do all my notes and all my research for this for this episode, I like like Christina Pagniacci said, it makes me want to jump out of a fucking window. This is going to be a hard fe for me. Get all the way the hell out of here with this movie. Go beep all the way. Oh, this is out of all the movies we've done. All the movies. I'll watch Rubble again. I could take a little more Rubble. See, I, I, I can't, I can't do number two again. I can't do Mockingjay Part Two. Oh, yeah, actually, again. okay, okay. Part Two was the worst. Yeah, Part Two was it, the worst. This was, this is right in between Part One and Two, though. It, this, this was, this was so bad. I, I'm never gonna watch this movie I, again. I, again, I, I'm gonna have to take a little bit of umbrage to say it was bad. It was much. Again, I think the action was good. I think there were enough quotable little lines in there. It was a little bit over the top, and the fact that. Again, there's a lot of things in here in 1999 that are very prophetic of the things that we're talking about now, the exact, and again, it's the ugly undersided belly of a sport that I love. And it's, and it's kind of force feeding you things that are, that are truths that are proven to be true or still continue to be true about this sport. And nothing has changed in 23 years. Literally nothing has changed in these 23 years. Still talking about concussions and how that's still a huge problem. Still talking about how black coaches, black black players can't get head coaching spots in this league. I mean, feh. I'm done with this one. Feh. Hard feh. I'll be awake for the next <laughs> one, boys. <laughs> but mayor i i appreciate your opinion and i respect everything no, that, that it, you bring to the table hey it's, it's an important honestly, conversation i'm glad we've yeah had it, we've had it i'm really glad we had this conversation well i i will say that even though i didn't finish the movie those those thoughts of the issues that this movie brought up for the time that it came out it did get me thinking and i was thinking during the time like wow this is actually like i, I again i wasn't the football rah-rah on the sidelines and some of the action scenes in the movie weren't too believable the one where he where he takes off on his very first scramble was the most unbelievable scramble i think i've ever seen in a football movie i was just like come on like they're showing two different two different styles and one in one he's like full on holding the ball like just open hand and the next one it's tucked it's like what 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 do we got going on here but uh yeah it was just a lot a lot but i agree it was a very quotable movie but it's like a volume shooter when you got three hours of movie, you're gonna you're bound to have some decent quotes, especially with the with the cast that this movie had. You're bound to sell some of those. I mean, you had you had Pacino right away with with defense, you know. So you you have all, all of these uh, different quotes coming out just because the, the star power alone in the movie. So I guess from that standpoint, you're getting me to to slightly go from fe to meh because I you know, but at the it. It was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. I couldn't make it through it. So I, I can't, if I would have made it through it, then I could give it a meh. But I'm a fat because I couldn't. <laughs> it, it could have been edited down a lot shorter. There, there. I don't know, what you, what do you take out of there, though? Maybe half of the football, like, scenes? Because yeah, maybe it didn't need to be what, what he that was, long. Maybe the, yeah, he was the, doing the, the whole party house scene could have been shorter. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well. Uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Lower After Hours Presents Cinema. I want to thank Pal out in Southern California and Mayor Matt for joining me tonight. And we want to thank all of you for checking us out. You can check us out and download us with your podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Vaya con Dios. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. 